0: This episode of Journey to the Energy C-Suite is sponsored by UTSI, the experts in cybersecurity engineering for SCADA and industrial control systems. The protection of these operational environments is now more critical than ever, and UTSI has decades of experience designing and building compliant systems with the latest cybersecurity guidelines. From engineering to remediation plans to tabletop testing, UTSI has cybersecurity covered, They will help you plan and execute every piece of your strategy, including incident response plans, validation exercises, and post-incident forensics. Wherever you are in your cybersecurity journey, UTSI will get you where you need to be. Learn more at UTSI.com.
1: Every career is a journey. Every leader has a story. Welcome to Journey to the Energy C-Suite, where we look at the strategies and techniques that turn solid leaders into top executives.
0: This is your place to hear practical wisdom and guidance from real people who know what it takes with your host, Ryan Sanford. Hi again, everybody, and welcome back to Journey to the Energy C-Suite. I am your host, Ryan Sanford. I'm excited to be back with you today. Thanks again for pushing that play button on OGGN. We appreciate your support. I am excited to bring on a great guest today. Uh, He has a long career in leadership in the human capital consulting industry, Uh, companies like Corn Ferry and PDI. He's currently a partner in the industrial private equity and leadership consulting practice at DHR Global, an executive search and leadership consulting firm. He is David Sheehan. David, thanks for joining me today, my friend.
1: Brian, it is great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Now, I know you're having a little ice and sleet up in the Dallas area where you live, but I know that's not stopping you from getting out on that bike right now.
1: <laughs> in fact, it is. Uh, I, I would die to get outside right now. I'm, uh, I've been trapped inside for the last couple of days and... Uh, I think I have a few pair of uh, old ice hockey skates. I might use those to get out.
0: <laughs> David is an avid cyclist. He spends a lot of time out on the trails. So yeah, he won't let that stop him. If you're like my wife, she spends uh, a couple of hours every morning before I wake up on her, on our indoor trainer upstairs.
1: Yeah. Do you, you have one of those? No, not yet. I, I, I used to have, uh, I used to have one of those uh, rollers, sets of rollers that don't have any and oh, yeah. you have to balance yourself. But uh, honestly, my wife made me get rid of it because she saw <laughs> me fall a few times. So that was the end of that. I'm not as young as I used to be.
0: <laughs> Good stuff, David. We we have a lot to get into with you uh, today. And I want to start um, with the great resignation. We've been talking about this now for a few months. I mean, you can't really avoid seeing articles and, and news reports about this. And, and certainly there's no secret that uh, a lot of voluntary departures have happened in the last several months. And I I know a lot of that has been um, in lower wage jobs and retail and hourly work and things like that. But I wanted to ask you, how does this look in terms of the professional ranks, in terms of leadership roles? Are you seeing a a similar thing play out there?
1: Yeah, I, I sure am. And, you know, everybody who has experienced the great resignation, either because they've left or because they are a leader, will give you a, a slightly a slightly different perspective. Um, yes, there are some people who are just ejecting themselves from the workforce, of course. Uh, but when we're talking about leadership ranks, what we're seeing is a, one of the biggest opportunities for many people to make changes in their career. Get bigger jobs in terms of money, in terms of career. That's a that's a really big part of this. And the other part, if we're thinking about industrial companies, if we're thinking even more specifically about um, oil and gas companies, energy companies, there are a lot of people who are retiring right now, and I don't I don't hear us talking a lot about that right now. Mm. We were talking about it three, four, five years ago that. The baby boomers are retiring, but there are a lot of people who, uh, who have re- retired in the last year or so, and there's that's creating a lot of openings. And, and let me just tell you something, a little interesting tidbit. Um, as I'm doing searches right now for leadership positions, I am finding so many people at the VP level, the um, you know EVP level and up who've only been in their positions for a year maybe maybe 2 years so that that retirement boom is happening right now and that's a that's a big driver besides you know lots and lots of great new job opportunities that that retirement that retirement wave is hitting right now we're finally starting to see that
0: and all of those retirements uh, can also create opportunities for people that maybe are stuck in their current roles at their current company uh, to, to seek senior leadership roles at other firms.
1: Yeah, that, that's that's what I'm seeing. I'm um, I don't have any data on this. I, I what I don't know, Ryan, is I don't know how much companies are going outside versus reaching down into the organization and pulling people up. Um, You know, from my perspective, I'm a little biased because I'm an executive recruiter. um, So certainly I see a lot of people moving companies. But yeah, theoretically, it should be creating opportunities for people within the companies and outside and from outside the company as well
0: yeah to what degree do you think um, I think the world is now a bigger place in terms of opportunities for people because of uh, the nature of remote work being so prevalent now, and that was largely uh, increased by the the pandemic we've been going through for the last two years. you know so so people don't necessarily have to relocate geographically um, to go work for another firm do you do you think that that's playing a major part in some of this?
1: um You know, I think maybe, maybe a little bit it, it, it's in terms of creating opportunities. Is that what you mean? Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I don't know if that's necessarily creating a lot of new, um, a lot of new opportunities. It really depends on it. It's really going to depend on the industry. Yeah. So, you know, with, with things like maybe technology, um, Yeah, that's, that's creating a lot of new opportunities. What's, what's really interesting is that I'm seeing a lot of companies also struggle with this too. Again, looking at oil and gas, looking at industrial companies, they are so used to having people on site. So, uh, you know, they're struggling with the fact that a lot of talent wants to fly in every week, or they want to work more remotely, um, it, so it, in some ways, it's becoming a real struggle for different sectors of the the economy uh, in terms of uh, in terms of making changes in their organization and how they work. But again, you know, technology industry they're a lot more used to doing that. Consulting, you know, big consulting companies, they some of them are more used to working remotely, and it is creating new opportunities to find more talent that previously wasn't available.
0: I want to ask, uh, from the perspective of a leader who's uh, in, in our industry at this point, and how can they be thinking about managing their career differently in the current market to make sure that they do maximize the opportunities that are there for themselves, whether that's internally at, at the place they work now or, or externally?
1: You know, I, I think one of the most important things that, that leaders need to do is they need to think in great detail about the value that they can provide another company. One of the most difficult things for people to do when they jump into the job market, especially if they work for a company for a really long time, or they haven't interviewed in a long time, is they've forgotten how to sell themselves. They have forgotten how to talk about, you know, here were my responsibilities, that's the easy part. Here are the results and here are, here's the opportunity that I played it. So that that's one thing. The other thing I think is really important that may not come naturally to people who have not looked for jobs in many years or, or a lot in their career is they need to treat job searches like a job, a project, you know, just relying on going out there, obviously, and just, Submitting resumes to websites when you're a leader is one of the least likely ways that you're going to get a job. So networking, networking is a job being really intentional about this project in terms of who do you need to talk to? What companies do you want to reach out to? And what's your game plan for talking to people and initiating conversations? And it's not reaching out and writing war and peace, you know, <laughs> a five page long uh, uh, you know a five page long email or, or, or letter that explains uh, what you do. It's figuring out how to communicate in as few words as possible and make the greatest impact so that you gain the attention so that you gain the attention of people.
0: Yeah, when I talk to senior I'm sorry when I when I talk to senior leaders sometimes uh, about the networking thing you know many times they've been at one company for a long time yeah. and uh, they they've somewhat developed a, an industry network through attending you know conferences and events and things like that but um, yeah. there can be a false sense of the strength of our network specifically at higher levels um, because you know we can look on our LinkedIn and say oh we have thousands of we have thousands of <laughs> Connections, um, but how many of those are true? Uh, true connections, true people in your network that you've nurtured those relationships, and the people who have the the influence and the willingness to to go to bat for you if there's an opportunity out there that they could help with.
1: Yeah, that's a a pretty good observation. I I think uh, some people get lulled into the idea that I'll just make this call and this person will get me a job because it's a company I want to work for and I have the skill sets. But I think you almost have to have a different mindset about your network. And and that is using your network to get other connections to other people. I think that can be one of the most powerful ways to start Uh, meeting new people and getting, getting connected to the right people, reaching out to that network and asking for help. Here's what I'm trying to do. A person I'm reaching out to, here's, here's what I'm, here's what my career objectives are. Here's what I'm looking for. Who should, you know, who should I go out and who should I go out and talk to? Where should I be spending? Where should I be spending time? That, you know, that can be, um, as powerful or more powerful than just saying, hey, I, I need a job. Any ideas?
0: Yeah, I think the networking piece is, is crucial. And then it's it's been a challenge because uh, the world's been shut down for 18 to 24 months. A lot of those yeah. in-person networking events have gone away. So uh, I'm guessing people have had to become much more resourceful in how they do that. Um, phones still work. <laughs> we have great video technology that we can we can schedule zoom calls or teams but uh, you know that's uh, it's a, it's a little more challenging than it was in the past
1: it was and especially if you're not used to doing that sort of thing but but I'll tell you um, when it comes to like my job for example I you know it used to be that uh, myself my colleagues we used to fly all over the country meeting people Uh meeting in person a lot more and we, you know, I still do some of that, of course, but uh, I don't know what the percentage is these days. I spend, what, 75% of my time doing uh, interviews and networking with people on, uh, you know, on the phone or 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 through Zoom these days. Frankly, I wish it wasn't that much. I, I personally like to meet people in person, but that's the way it's going. Many of my clients are are going through the interview process uh, most of the way doing Zoom interviews, and it isn't until the very end that they're that they're meeting these folks in person to to close the deal to to get ready to hire them. It's such a strange dynamic. I still can't believe it sometimes that <laughs> that we have made such a we have made such a big switch. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago. Uh, being in companies and trying to do these, you know, online seminars or online discussions, I hated them. And now, um, like a lot of people I've gotten really, really used to them and dare I say comfortable. And I think candidates have too.
0: Yeah. Do you find yourself having to do a bit more coaching for your candidates when they're preparing for that big interview and Uh, it's going to be, it's going
1: to be on zoom? Yeah. Yeah. I, I sure have. And you know, it comes down to, um, you know, it's almost like you're on TV these days. So people are watching your face. They're watching whether you're paying attention. They watch how you dress. They look at your background. All of you know the background that you have. All of these things are factors. Uh, we whether we like it or not, in in our you know companies uh, making making deci- decisions about people, judging judging the candidates that they uh, that they're talking with.
0: I want to talk a little bit about. Crossing over industries. That's something, yeah. especially, uh, people who've spent a career in oil and gas. Um, yeah. when we have these peaks and valleys in the industry, um, it does often present an opportunity for people to look outside of the industry for opportunities where their transferable skills and experiences might uh, be successful. So, um, I want you to talk a little bit about that from your perspective. Now, are you seeing more of that in terms of people leaving the industry, looking for outside industry? And then what kind of challenges does that present for people that might be considering it?
1: I sure have. I mean, the long-term trend is yes. Um, the short-term trend is I'm looking at 90 some dollar 90 some dollars a barrel of oil is maybe it's slowed down a little bit at this moment. But the long-term trend is yes, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of that. Where I'm seeing candidates be really successful about that. Now, I want to go back to something I said a little bit earlier. Thinking of really giving some deep thought to to your career in terms of not just the activities that you did, but the successes that you've had. Maybe even more important, the types of problems that you have solved. Now, as as a person, I've I've transitioned careers three. Three times I think in my career, and within within those major transitions, I've done some sub transitions. And every time I've moved, it's is because you know I've shown that I've solved similar types of problems if, in my past career that that a that a company is trying to solve in in their current situation. So you're really, again, really giving some deep thought to your career and what some of the trends are in your career, not just uh, trends, problem solving, um, types of environments that you've been in. All of those things are really important. And, uh, and I'll say this, too. Companies are more and more these days. Companies are more willing to hire outside their industry. And, you know, we talk about diversity. Um, and we, the first thing we think about with diversity is, you know, gender and race, of course, but companies are looking for diversity of thought to solve problems, to solve tough problems. Um, they want to avoid group things. So more than ever, companies are looking for different types of perspectives and that those types of, those types of things are going to help candidates. Uh, be able to transition into into other into other careers and in other industries.
0: On the flip side of that, if I'm a leader in the oil and gas industry and I know that there is currently a lot of labor shortages out there at the moment, but I'm also fighting to get top talent into my organization and I'm looking at how do I attract the best and brightest to come work for me? what do you yeah. see the the uh, current challenges from that standpoint?
1: Well, I would say the first thing that they need to do is not look outside. i I, I still see too many companies um, not looking not looking inside and overlooking talent that maybe is not maybe is not really obvious to them.
0: Now hold um, on, so, david, you're you're an external <laughs> executive search professional here. you get you make your money.
1: I know you buy know. those
0: fancy mountain bikes because people are, are looking outside <laughs> to <laughs> hire talent. You're saying that we should look inside first. I just want to clarify that.
1: I, I, I am saying that, and okay. you know uh, you know, in full disclosure, I, I've been, I was a talent consultant. I was a talent consultant first before I, before I was an executive recruiter, but yeah. And, and I think you're right. What I am saying is a little bit of uh, heresy, uh, but you know, most of my colleagues will say the will say the very same thing. There is still, in companies that are are not doing a great job or don't spend a lot of time and money investing in developing talent and hunting for talent on the inside, they are missing out. And likewise, are these same companies whether or not they're great at whether or not they're great at finding talent on the inside. What are they doing to keep them? Because every time somebody leaves, it costs a lot of money to replace them. And it takes a year, you know, a year to get a leader, you know, up to speed, on board. So, you know, that first and foremost is what what I recommend to, to clients that are losing a lot of talent or really, really struggling to look for talent
0: yeah I'm hearing that a lot as well in my in in the work that I do in uh, with my clients David in terms of retaining top talent and uh, I, I wonder what your perspective is on what senior leaders can do better uh, in that regard. I know it's easy to just throw money at people and sometimes yeah. that works but it's yeah. not the only thing and it's certainly not the most uh, sustainable strategy
1: no, that's right and 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 you know one of the things that they need to do um, here I go again talking about Talent consulting rather than recruiting, but you know one of the things that they they need to do is make sure that they are not you know not just solely relying on looking at people people's past performance. They really need to get at get under the covers on their talented younger talented leaders to identify what kind of stuff <laughs> what kind of stuff they're made of to see how far that they can, they can go in an organization, you know, whether or not they're ready to step up and take the next challenge and whether they're going to have opportunities to, to do something, to do something like that. Are they going to have safe opportunities to, you know, show what else they can, what else they can do in, in the organization. Now you, you asked me that the original question here was, you know, what do leaders need to do to, to find and attract talent? So, From an outside perspective, more than ever, branding, branding, branding is critical to finding people. Yes, throw, you know, give them, give them the money that they're worth. Give them the challenges they want, the job titles. Yes, 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 of course. But um, the branding and the culture of the company is, is all important because there are so many, you know, there's a lot of people who are willing to move right now. But there's lots and lots of passive candidates, too. And one of the first questions I get asked by executives is culture, culture. And, you know, culture ties into the brand. What is the company known for? So culture and branding, branding of the company is, you know, the the employer brand is all important to to finding talent right now.
0: Good stuff. I have one last topic I want to bring up, and and yeah. this is this is one that I think a lot of people struggle with uh, because there's so many different ideas out there about how executive search works. Whether I'm someone who might be getting a call from an executive recruiter about an opportunity somewhere, or I'm trying to hire an executive recruiter to to help me find somebody, yeah. um, I wonder if you could help demystify for us, you know, how executive search works in 2022. <laughs>
1: Well, first of all, it's pretty crazy right now. This is uh, this is the busiest. This is the busiest I've ever seen this business. I've been around it for quite a long time, and I've never. All of us will tell you, we have never seen anything like like this in our lifetime. And you know, absent a downturn in the economy, I don't see it slowing down anytime soon. For many of the reasons that we talked about earlier uh, earlier in this interview. The great Resignation. Um, there is a lot of people retiring. There is, you know, the the folks coming behind them. Gen X is a smaller talent pool, so um, there's a there's a shortage. There's a real shortage of executive leaders right now. So if you haven't worked with an executive recruiter, I think here's here's a couple of important things to remember. First of all. Executive recruiters are not in the job of finding candidates, um, finding candidates' jobs. They're in the business of helping companies find candidates. So we work, we work for the companies. That said, um, you know it is worth people's time to reach out to to reach out to an executive recruiter and submit their resume, or or give them a call, or whatever the thing to remember is most retained executive search consultants are very focused in different industries. You don't find in their, in the executive retained search, you don't find a lot of people who are generalists. So if you're a retail leader, reaching out to me, um, you know, you can do it. And, And I, if I have time, I will, I will forward your resume on to you know my colleagues in the retail, um, but I'm laser focused on my clients right now, and I'm laser focused on my industry. So, um, if you're on the industrial side, private equity, uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be looking for I'm gonna be looking for those resumes. The second thing is, uh, once again, I, I mentioned about communication style. Communicate in bite-sized pieces to people. Uh, you think about all of us. We get so many emails. So get to the highlights really quickly if you're going to send on. If you're going to send on a resume, and we do keep these resumes. We do look at them. We just don't always have time to respond. We respond really quickly if we've got a search going on that that fits that fits somebody's um, you know fits somebody's skills. The third thing I would say about executive search, um, you know. We look for people online. Uh, Yes, we look on LinkedIn. That's not the only place we look. We look a lot of other places. So if you have an online presence, um, you need to think about your own brand. You need to think about what you are selling, what you are selling to an executive recruiter in terms of responsibilities, results, and who you are, what your DNA is. And you've got to communicate it succinctly and clearly. So if you have a LinkedIn bio, make sure that you have, there's a, there's a section in LinkedIn, make sure you write something about yourself in that, in that section. And when you do write about yourself, you're not writing a term paper. <laughs> <laughs> write how you speak. And, and, and that's really, really important. I always tell people that. Write how you speak. Because that way, when you're talking to recruiters, when you're talking to companies, you're talking naturally about yourself. You're, you're expressing, you're talking about yourself in a comfortable way, and that will that will help you communicate a lot more clearly with people. So those things, I think, are, are really, really important to understand about executive recruiters and many other things I could tell you. But those are really, really um, some challenges I see with a lot of candidates in the job market
0: that's great stuff david i uh i appreciate your time and your perspective today uh, i think lots of great information for our listeners whether they are uh, currently in the market for new opportunities or if they're looking to attract in, uh a talent into their organization i think a lot of good words of wisdom today so um, i appreciate you being on david we had david sheehan here today who's a partner in the industrial, private equity, and leadership consulting practice at DHR Global, an executive search and leadership consulting firm, David. Hopefully, it warms up a little bit this weekend. You can get back out there on the roads, man.
1: I sure hope so. It would be nice to uh, get out of uh, get out of the house. After all, I moved to Texas to be in warm weather, so uh, I'd like to take advantage of that. But <laughs> Ryan, I really appreciate. I really love your podcast. I enjoy listening to it, and I really appreciate you having me on and. Uh, thanks to all your listeners, and I hope you uh, I hope you have a uh, great week.
0: Hey, thanks, David. Thank you again for listening to Journey to the Energy C Suite. We appreciate you tuning in again and if you have a moment, please go to our website or wherever you access your podcast and leave us a review. That's really helpful to make our podcast more visible. We'll see you soon again with some more great interviews. Take care, everybody.
1: Tune in next week for another enlightening episode of Journey to the Energy C-Suite, a production of
0: the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.